Yeah, I'm John Sinclair, listening to the Dopecast on dopebean.co.uk. Hi, this is Howard Marks. You are listening to the Dopecast on dopebean.co.uk. The Dopecast on dopebean.co.uk. It's the Dopecast on dopefiend.co.uk, our 80th episode extravaganza. You join me live in the Vapor Lounge for a very, very special episode of the Dopecast, just as Uncle Weed takes a pretty monster-sized toke of, uh, what was that, brainstorm. Brainstorm, and it's, uh, as you say, it's going down a treat. (laughs) Beautiful stuff. (laughs) Uncle Weed, of course, a, a surprise guest. Here in the dope, then he uh, rocked up especially for our 80th episode celebration. <laughs> it's a hell of a flight, but man, thanks for buying that first class ticket, man. Uh, it's That's a all pleasure to have you here. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd have, uh, you know, I'd have swum you there myself if I could. <laughs> oh man. So how are you enjoying your stay in London, Uncle uh, Week? You know, about an hour ago, it started getting a lot better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> After the first bag saying. of brainstorm. Then the second bag, it's got, well, it's incrementally, and now under the third bag, yeah, it's we gotten thought, quite a bit better. And we thought we'd better start recording now, because uh, <laughs> it was it was looking like it was about to get dangerously stoned in the in the dope then. Well, with your epic variety in there, too, you know, yeah. we, gotta, we gotta do the whole full smorgasbord sample. Absolutely, we've yeah, got an amazing got selection of weed <laughs> to get through. We're gonna sample at least three strains in this episode. We're starting off, man. To, to start with, anyway. Well, and, to kick off the weekend. Yeah, and, and it's going to be a bit of a weekend because you've already convinced me. I don't know how you've managed it. You know, I, I met you in person probably l- less than three hours ago, and already you've convinced me to uh, skive off work and travel to Brighton tomorrow on a bit of a day trip. You're, you're just lucky the Grateful Dead aren't still touring, man, or else Paris you would never see you again. I'm, I'd, be, I'm, I'd be throwing you in the van and it'd be, it'd be adventures from there. I'm amazed. But the, the, I'm a horrible influence. You are, aren't you? The funny thing about your trip is you've flown all this uh, thousands and thousands of miles and you should be sampling UK <laughs> weed, really, shouldn't you? You've come and you're smoking weed that's probably from about two doors down from where you live. Yeah, well, it could be right from the old neighbourhood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 And, uh, and it's funny to see, because not only uh, am I seeing the same weed here yeah. as at home, I also saw the same weed, the New York City diesel was... Most likely from BC. Well, on my way across too. That actually that raises a good point because this is something that we've talked about a lot on recent dopecasts, and it was my fault initially because I was, uh, you know, taken away by the uh, swing of things in Amsterdam and just sort of swept up in the spirit. And I said, <laughs> well, as far as I'm concerned, Amsterdam has got the best weed on the planet. But Canada's not far behind. Mm-hmm. And this absolutely uh, kicked off chaos yep. among the listening public because there were people from California saying, how can you say that? Yeah. California's obviously the best weed in the world. People from Oregon going, no, uh, you're forgetting Oregon. We've got the most growers, the, the biggest medical scene out here. And, you know, people from uh, Switzerland, even people from the United Kingdom itself saying, look, I've had some phenomenal weed, the best weed I've ever smoked, and it's been from just two doors down from where I live. So what do you think? Well, you know, I can't vouch for for the quality of weed in, in UK, but I've certainly uh, sampled, uh, you know, Cosmo from the Clubside Breakfast Time, and I chewed all around the 2002 Cup, 29 coffee shops, and I made three, four visits to Amsterdam, and there's some fantastic weed. 
but for 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 my money I, I don't think you can narrow it down to one state or one province on the west coast but all along the area that we call we call Cascadia <laughs> us hippies there in the northwest call it Cascadia <laughs> from anything from BC um, Washington Oregon and Northern California is 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 fantastic and yeah. it's just the breadbasket of, of kind ganja there mm-hmm. you know the advantage that that we have on the west coast is the ability to grow outdoors which is just mm-hmm. really difficult to do in, in Holland yeah and don't get me wrong is Amsterdam and the breeders from there deserve a tremendous amount of credit for you know while it looks easy to us while we go over there and we roast down and everything there was a lot of civil disobedience that they put up with then and continually but Man, I was just in, in Northern California, and I met up with a guy with a medical marijuana card. And uh, let's just say I stumbled home to the hotel at about 3.30 in the morning from San Jose. And you know you're, you know you met a good friend when he says, I hope you don't mind if I put Keef on it. <laughs> and, uh, and I mean, it, uh, it melted me, but of course, the great weed we smoke in B.C., Let's just say it's an awesome thing that we have the ability to have this yeah, debate. Yeah, man, yeah, that's you know? true. Well, and also the the point you made about smoking New York City diesel in New York and smoking it here uh, uh, is valid as well because now everybody's buying these seeds. You know, everybody's got high quality seeds from somewhere. Uh, you can get absolute top quality information on how to grow this stuff to the yeah. highest standards. In you know, many different methods, depending yeah, on what your environment is, exactly. where you are, if you have a small space, big space, you're yeah. going commercially, you're going medicinally, all that information is instantly available. And yeah. when I started smoking weed, that sure wasn't the case. Exactly, yeah. and Because uh, I internet, am 108 years old. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I mean, even in the past 10 years, the internet has completely changed the cannabis culture. Oh, because yeah. before, you had to either rely on dusty old high times issues or, um, you know, maybe the anarchist cookbook or some, some yep. old hippie manual Right, like and that, that was exactly how I got my first information from those sources. Yeah. And now it's great that we have that massive variety. Yeah, and people like Zandor, of course, doing the Grow Report here on dopefiend.co.uk, who's just, you know, even people who never thought about growing before are now starting to do it themselves. And that's yeah. got to be a good thing. Yeah, and the medical movement, especially, and again, in the Western uh, U.S., has been a huge part of that. Yeah. Now we're Mendocino and Humboldt, which have always been great places for weed. Mm-hmm. It's wild and wide open in a, and in vast abundance, you know. Yeah. We're, and the B.C. market used to, you know, used to be B.C. weed going down the West Coast of yeah. the States, but that's not the case now. And, and, and they're... I mean, the BC's going elsewhere yeah. now because the West Coast is like, man, we're we don't need your weed anymore, man. <laughs> you know, so in Washington and Oregon, it's really almost all domestic product, which is just awesome. Yeah, I think fantastic that we that that that's even happening. We should talk about the uh, the BC situation a bit, but before we do, um, what do you think of this brainstorm? I'm loving it, man. Uh, you, I'm, uh, uh, I'm 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 feeling lively, man. I'm feeling a little bit, uh, you know, I've been. Uh, Ah, I've been having a hard time getting comfortable in London. You know, I've been doing all this flying around. Yeah. And I'm finally starting to feel back in my uh, more you know, natural I was, groove. I, I, I was thinking if I could. Unfortunately, it didn't work out that way because I was working um, a lot of the time. But uh, I was thinking maybe I should drop up to your hotel, which was a very, very fancy hotel. Yes. With a, with a uh, jiffy bag, like a little care package for you just to get you through your, your <laughs> couple of days of work. Because you didn't actually come here especially for the 80th episode of the Dope Cast, did oh, you? Oh, that was the ulterior motive. <laughs> You're actually yeah, days I, of work I was uh, stuck up in some fancy schmancy hotel that I... I'm surprised they even let me stay there, first of all, but... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> but it's not really my speed, and it's missing one very important piece of equipment yeah. too in that volcano. So all the uh, although it did have a towel heater, oh yeah, a trouser press, but uh, but no volcano, no volcano. But I I I almost I thought I was almost going to get kicked out. Right, I went to uh, run a bath because it was like you know it's like I couldn't sleep. It's like nine jet lag. Yeah. Got him up at three in the morning. So I'm like, oh, I'll take a nice hot bath. So I go and run the bath and. Well, what do you know? I completely flooded the bathroom, spaced out <laughs> what I was doing. <laughs> so I'm calling down to housekeeper. I got a, like an inch of water on this bathroom floor, and I was, it was just about to come over the lip and flood out the whole carpet, which would have been hilarious, right? And you and, weren't um, even stoned at this point. Let's make no, that clear. No, well, that's exactly the problem. I wasn't stoned. I'd never make rookie mistakes like that if I'm baked, right? I'm a, I'm, it takes me out of my natural state. So, yeah. Uh, so I finally got housekeeping to, you know, say, could you bring up some more towels? So they bring me, like, two towels, right, this fancy hotel. And I'm like, no, dude, I don't think you understand, man. I need, like, all the towels you have on this floor, <laughs> dude. <laughs> and so then I took, uh, ended up taking the bath and, and then ordered, uh, just because I could, I ordered room service at 4 in the morning. Sweet. So I had, like, a 420 Guinness and, uh, uh, nice. and French onion soup. Probably not the best time to eat, but you know. Oh, why you not? Know. When you know, <laughs> when, you, when you've been up all night with uh, with towels and shit, <laughs> you might as well. And it kind of completed that uh, uh, bourgeois um, experience. You know, I'm a man of the people. I'm a man of the pl- proletariat, if you will. Yeah. And staying in those weren't those weren't my peeps there. But so I just needed to learn how they live while I watched Al Jazeera. <laughs> yeah. Bible camp or God camp? What was that? Jesus, Jesus camp. camp. Jesus yeah, camp. Yeah, yeah. Al Jazeera with Arabic subtitles. While on the other channel, Hamas and uh, uh, oh my God, man. Yeah. There's a little bit too uh, too much realism, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. You need a bit of a break from that. Yeah. So that's where we're heading now. That's why, man, I'm heading to hijack south. you. Yeah, to Brighton, which is um, a pretty happening town. You know, it's the gay capital of the United Kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we should be up for some interesting times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good lord. Well, now we know your ulterior motive, you handsome bastard. Yeah, well, you know, the girlfriend's away this weekend. I've got to find my kick somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this, this brainstorm is absolutely going down the treat. And they, you, you can tell why they call it brainstorm because it really is a powerful strain. I am. Getting retarded. Yeah, definitely. But we're going to hit some, some other strains, all uh, Canadian grown. From Excellent. The, I'm a professional and I'm prepared to sample them all. Good stuff. But let's talk a bit about the Canadian weed scene because yeah. this is something that's been coming up uh, among our listeners <coughs> recently. Um, the story is that Vancouver, which used to be known as Vansterdam, and you know, uh, still still got a pretty good reputation for being a, a cannabis capital of mm-hmm. the world, but um, the government uh, seemed to be cracking down on a lot of that and busting a lot of these compassion clubs and stuff. What's the story from a well, from they're a just kind of squ- squeezing them out of business is more what's going on. And and you know, for someone who grew up in Vancouver, and there's a lot of times I was traveling, I'd come back, and every time it was a little bit different. But at its heyday, there was up to like you know, it was a whole block, and there's you know, and, and into Gastown and some different neighborhoods, there's really a lot of things op- open, openly smoking. People openly, like, just everywhere you went, it was the ganja vibe. And I think a few things have happened over the last 10 years is, is one, it started to get really expensive mm-hmm. to live there. And a lot of people who were growing, it's just like, well, I'm just going to cash out and move up to the Kootenays. British Columbia is a massive chunk of land and it's right. beautiful. And then another situation where there's a lot of grow rips, where biker gangs and <coughs> ne'er-do-wells have 
different stores would go rip off growers. And so it just, again, sort of became like an economic drag. But now Canada in general has a, a conservative government yeah, yeah. now. And dudes crawled right up Bush's hiney. And, uh, and in the <clears throat> post-9-11 era, they signed some joint terrorism mm. Act, which is really the only, you know, because the U.S.'s strategy we tease about is blame Canada, but it's it's all too true. But they came up and made a big, high-profile arrest of Mark Amory, yeah. and the Canadian government said, well, geez, uh, we're really sorry that happened, but, you know, um, we're not going to address it, even though this is a Canadian citizen being arrested by foreign thugs mm. on Canadian soil, which even non-cannabis enthusiasts, and, and don't get me wrong, Mark Emery has a number of detractors and, 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 and whatever, but it kind of raised that and was an example of things were changing federally, Yeah. right? And it's just like, it's no longer the that legalization would be like even something to even be talking about. That's off the table, dude. Don't even bring it up, you know? Right. And then uh, BC switched to a more conservative, they call themselves the liberals, but they're really just the neocons hijacked but I won't get into that. But more specifically, in Vancouver City, we had a mayor named Larry Campbell, and he was a former coroner. Okay. And as a coroner, he had like seen alcohol deaths and certainly heroin deaths, a lot yeah. of heroin problem in Vancouver. But never went from weed, and he really took a harm reduction policy right. and a and a very casual policy on on cannabis. Mm. And so the cannabis scene really flourished during that time. There was cannabis, uh, the Toker's Bowl. All sorts of events, all sorts of shops happening, and uh, but now there's as things have changed. There's a new mayor, Sam Sullivan. You want to kind of root for him because he's a quadriplegic and he's yeah. in his wheelchair. He speaks Cantonese, yeah. <laughs> Except his policies are more like we're going to push all the riffraff up to out to the suburbs, and a lot of this gets blamed on the Olympics. Winter Olympics coming in Vancouver two years before coming here to London, yeah. And they're like, oh, we should be spending money on social housing and not Olympics and. And so the, it kind of gets tangled up in that argument, but it, as that's happening, kind of the weed culture is kind of getting pushed out of Vancouver with that in a lot of ways. <clears throat> Even in the last year, I, when I first uh, moved back up a year and a half ago from Olympia, um, <clears throat> pardon me, beverage break. <laughs> I'm going on a long, loquacious spiel here. Yeah, this is no, important information I've been wanting to tell people Absolutely. about. Absolutely. Well, uh, it's funny because we've been hearing uh, over the last year in particular from um, Canadian listeners who are saying that really the, the scene in Vancouver is dying out because of all this uh, activity yeah. and that places like Toronto are flourishing because of it and turning into kind of new weed heartlands in Canada. Yeah, you kind of have to move where the political climate goes, I guess, mm. too. Um, we in Vancouver uh, like to make fun of Toronto and deride the, the city as much as possible, but yeah, it is a little bit more of a chill vibe. Now, don't get me wrong, Vancouver... Fantastic weed. It's the most beautiful city on earth, right? Yeah. As far as a big city is. You know, the Swiss cities come close probably. Yeah. But we kick everyone's ass. Yeah. Vancouver is fucking beautiful, right? <laughs> and we do have fantastic weed. And I, you know, you can always get weed, right? Yeah. And we were talking earlier about all the different ways of going to foreign countries and how you end up with weed. Yeah. Vancouver, you're not going to have a problem, man. I mean, it's like, um, you know. Be chill and it will come to you. And the new Amsterdam is still going on full swing. Now, the other thing that happened is Blunt Brothers burned down. Yeah. And there was sort of a juggle around. And it, there was these few different storefronts and they kind of switched places and such. And the new Amsterdam used to be around the corner. Mm-hmm. Now it's up where the old Cannabis Cafe was, which was the old Hemp BC and you know, right. so on and so on, right? Okay. 
And uh, and there used to be tons of these smokeasies and, and all this, but New Amsterdam is still roll, rolling good. Okay. Um, they don't sell cannabis there, but you can sure smoke it. And even with the indoor smoking ban, yeah. um, <clears throat> $2, buy yourself a beverage, sit on the bench, meet a lot of other American tourists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of uh, um, American kids come up. Uh, well, I'll go meet friends there for a coffee and a joint sometimes. I, I, I used to see these adverts in High Times magazine for, like, um, you know, stoner <coughs> trips to Vansterdam, you know. You yeah, just, yeah, and uh, it, like I said, it was, like, a, a, a lot more going on. Now, there's also the BC Marijuana Party headquarters there, and there is some other smokies. There's these herbal lounges you can join, but it's, like, yeah. they're, they're smokies. you got to know the secret code and secret handshakes right. and, yeah. you know, have your moose hat and the yeah. whole nine yards, right? But, uh, so, I don't want to get... For anyone to get this wrong, that it's not still chill. And I mean, I smoke a joint waiting for the bus, and mm-hmm. you know. <clears throat> but it's uh, a few years ago, it was it was it was pretty close to heaven. Yeah. You know, but it's also you know shit changes, and there's a ton of other killer towns in BC. Yeah. Like if you're going making a trip to BC and you have some time to go on a vacation, you go up to a town called Nelson in the interior, and uh, groovy little town, and everyone's. Uh, You'll you'll enjoy some fine fine urban in that heartland of of BC. So cool. you know if you have a chance to come to Vancouver, it's absolutely worth your while. But it's not quite the summer love anymore. Okay, but do you think it'll ever get back to those kind of days, or do you think that's all over? Do you think it's do you think maybe it is slowly approaching the end of of I don't, no, I don't lax so. cannabis laws in Canada? I don't think so. I'm going to remain cautiously optimistic. Okay. Because, yeah. you know, times, some people are worried. Times, it's, yeah. it, it, the problem is having such a powerful neighbor, uh, you've either kind of got to yeah. get on board with them or risk really pissing them off. Right. So I can understand the position and, of and Canada the, from a diplomatic... Yeah, well, the previous administration had uh, really had poor ties with, yeah. the, with the U.S. And now this new federal administration is like, whatever you want, just send yeah. it on. We'll send it on over. And so there's a lot of... Uh, natural resource issues between that because with the, some of these trade agreements, it's like if the U.S. really needs it, they can get our water and they yeah. get trees. But we're also a net exporter of energy now to the U.S. too, so we're. Uh, I kind of get the impression that if it wasn't for the U.S., we'd have medical marijuana at least by now, <coughs> if not legalized oh, marijuana, yeah. because oh, yeah. the U.S. have been the the bully boy on this all the through the years. Gorilla, yeah. yeah, so uh, it's just it's it's. It's extraordinary. I mean, I can see why they do it, because there's money to be made, and I, I, I can see how that machine is perpetuated, because, you know, nobody wants to lose the, the money that they're raking in now, but there's money to be made from cannabis as well, you know. I mean, this this could be a, multi, a multi-billion dollar industry. Yeah, and a lot of lights went off in people's heads when they're, when, you know... Th- through all the extradition hearings for Mark Emery yeah. about you know the U.S. government is saying he's responsible for the production of billions of dollars worth of marijuana in, in the U.S. and he's like fuck yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, uh, as long as there's media around he'll, he'll tell you uh, anyway um, <laughs> but a lot of people you know if that was regulated and that was taxed there's huge money there. exactly there's huge money and still but there's this re- this religious stigma against yeah. it that sort of uh, um, as well as all the other issues with alcohol and, yeah. and oh it's going to take money away from that or it's going to take you know there's a lot of powerful lobbies in the yeah, US and yeah. they get their way and that's the, the way it's done there yeah well uh, I think we should move on to our next strain yeah this is the uh, Hawaiian indeed we're going to hit the Hawaiian and then the New York City diesel 
is coming at the end. <laughs> yeah. But uh, while we're actually talking about this whole um, American uh, grasp on cannabis law, mm-hmm. what's the deal with these American um, compassion clubs and stuff, the, the medical marijuana movement? in the 13 states at the moment. I think it's actually just gone up again, hasn't it? Is it 14 states now? Somebody else joined the last week or something. You know, I can't s- s- say for sure. And I won't, uh, I won't, <laughs> I'll resist the temptation to talk out of my ass. <laughs> okay. But what I will tell you is um, that uh, some of the states, especially in the West Coast, the area that I know, um, the law has been better defined. Yeah. And uh, so now in Washington, they just passed a measure that you know where we got legal med- medical marijuana, and I say we because I was in, involved in the process, my wee little efforts. Um, uh, and, but the law was a little bit fuzzy, right? And it's like, the, what was an illness and what constituted recommendation by a physician wasn't really clear. So they've kind of clarified that in California, county by county, they're kind of clarifying it and issuing some sort of measure that they think is practical for like licensing patients, giving them an ID card, because there's a lot of different police jurisdictions, you know, there's city and county and state and federal, and they all aren't on the same page with it. Yeah. So they're trying to, like, define it so people can avoid that hassle, because, you know, for the first while, there's a lot of court cases and people sort of testing the limits. But overall, uh, uh, the, especially in California, they've really got on, on, on top of it and really seem to have good systems in place. And same with... Uh, um, Washington and Oregon now are kind of following suit, but they've been a little bit slower for it to uh, get as as wide open. The problem with that is, well, I don't know if it's a problem, but people say, well, look at all these people. He looks perfectly healthy, and he's going to get medical marijuana. My neighbor, I know he's not, doesn't have HIV or something like that, you know. Um, but at the same time, people are seeing that, geez, but it also doesn't make him into. He's a totally mellow, nice neighbor, yeah. and I don't even ever smell it, so yeah. what's up? Because he's using a killer vappy or vaporizer or whatever. And uh, uh, so it's it's kind of interesting to see how it's evolving on the on the West Coast in general. Um, but you see, the, the one point that, that's been made on this uh, issue um, in the past is that the I more... I love that crackling sound as the bag inflates it's cool, to the isn't turkey it? bag. Yeah, yeah, that sort of popcorn noise. <laughs> yeah, the one point that's been brought up on this uh, on this issue is that uh, the more of these states get on board, the more of these states pass their own statewide medical marijuana law, um, we could see a situation developing where every state in the U.S. has a medical marijuana law. <laughs> but there's no law, federal law. But there's no federal law, and that will actually... Uh, according to um, you know precedent, will probably force the federal law and will force medical marijuana uh, legislation on a federal level. Uh, Do you think that can ever happen? Knowing the sort of the divides between some of the in, states in the know? current political climate, I think it's a it's so far off the agenda that it's uh, I mean it's almost a, an invisible little speck out on the federal horizon right where a few elections ago it really sort of come up in the context of the election now it like with the Bill Clinton and the Jerry Brown and I didn't inhale or whatever kind of stuff now it's just not even on the table as a topic yeah. anything about marijuana medical marijuana it's just it, it's a, it seems federally it's a complete non-issue what yeah. do you think about people who say, I was talking about this a few weeks ago. Uh, of course, someone's going to send an email saying, well, currently we're working to put this bill through right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Do some research! (laughs) But uh, these guys who say, and there are some of them around, you know, it's kind of like a hardline libertarian approach where they say, look, uh, we shouldn't be supporting medical marijuana because it detracts from the drive to legalize marijuana, uh, you know, on a a sort of global scale. Sure, sure. And and a lot of people, when especially in Canada, where things were looking like we were on the cusp of decriminalization, people were like, fuck decriminalization, man. We want it full. I want to smoke anytime, anywhere. But I think, honestly, that there's... Anything we can do to make it easier. Yeah. Like, it's one thing for us to go out, you know, where where we know how to, to find weed and, yeah. and, you know. But it's a whole other thing for someone who's has a is, has some horrible disease. Yeah. And they need every advantage. And it's reprehensible. It's not already easier. Yeah. You know, there should be people, you know, mail order is a great idea for them. And I yeah. imagine in California, I don't know, um, but I'd speculate that mail order is playing a part in that medical distribution. But I think absolutely medical patients are our first key and yeah. uh, and and also some people you know the hemp industrial hemp movement has been just dogged with you know the ropers and the dopers mm-hmm. oh marijuana is bad for smoking but we love hemp oh suck it up it's yeah we hemp's popular because <laughs> of marijuana they've just been you know argue back and forth and it just sort of it becomes you know it's like what we can get is what we can get and we just kind yeah. of try to keep the positive vibe and try to push it the right way yeah well that's my view i've always thought that um at least, if we do achieve some sort of legalized medical marijuana oh. on a on a wide scale, then we'll uh, we'll be able to use that as a platform to show that people who use marijuana aren't wasters and losers. That yep. you know, uh, not only can it be extremely beneficial to people with certain uh, conditions, but they can live normal working lives while taking it on a daily basis as yeah. well. And, and it's so less harmful. Like uh, last night uh, when I couldn't sleep and I was uh, walking around, I did this massive walk last night. I covered half of Westminster and Southwark neighborhood across all those bridges. I'm trying to memorize all the bridges. Tower of London, Southwark, Millennium, Black, uh, the Black... Uh, Blackfriars. Blackfriars. Yeah. And then Westminster. Yeah. And I went by that Cleopatra's Needle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was crazy. Anyway, uh... Um, totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> you that were Hawaiian. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, we were talking about medical marijuana. Taking um, and I switched to taking a walk. So there must have been some association there. Um, I've got no idea. Yeah. You're right. The Hawaiian is pretty powerful yeah, stuff, first, isn't it? Yeah, totally different taste, eh? Yeah, it's really strong cool. as well. It's yeah. got a full-bodied, uh, really fruity. Yeah, definitely. Very nice, very nice. Oh, the topic so. will come back around here in a minute. Oh, I'm sure it will. Lovely town here, London. Yeah. Oh, I was walking around last night, coming back to the River Thames. People were puking in the, the damn river. Yeah. I guess there's no swimming in there, that's no, for sure. No, 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 no. <laughs> the Thames is notorious. But anyway, filthy. there's a lot of people just wrecking drunks. Yeah. Drunks everywhere. People walking, just smashing bar like bad, sloppy drunks, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of young women, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's worrying. Uh, binge drinking is a massive problem in the United Kingdom, you know, and uh, it, it just seems to be getting worse and worse, and especially along uh, among young women, you know. Um, it, it really is uh, upsetting to see. And the problem is I work a lot of nights as well, and I take the bus and walk everywhere. So... Um, there were some sorry-looking folk on the bus, yeah, that's man. for sure. Uh, you, you get a bus back uh, late at night on a Saturday night, and some of the people and the states they're in 
you know, you can only imagine what kind of damage they're doing to themselves. Right, right, and, night, night. And this stuff, which is completely harmless, according to the latest uh, studies which have been conducted actually using the volcano vaporizer, um, these these studies for uh, medicinal users using volcano vaporizer, there are no harmful effects whatsoever. <sighs> so, you know, this is like free high. There is nothing, you're doing nothing wrong to yourself at all. Nice. But Isn't we can amazing? do a little bit of minor harm by enjoying a few fine cellar temperature English ale stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Everything in moderation. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, beautiful stuff. I think it's about time we took a bit of a musical interlude, don't you think? Uh, play a bit of a tune and to relax with some more of this Hawaiian. Oh, yeah, dude, this Hawaiian's killer. And then we <laughs> when we still got the New York City Diesel on deck. Yeah, and we're going to so talk a bit about that, that in a bit. But um, I asked you a little while ago to see if you could come up with any uh, musical uh, sort of theme to what we've been discussing or, or just your visit or anything else that you oh. wanted to play have you, you know if we, can, if we can play uh, non-pod safe music man I'd love to play The Clash Guns of Brixton well there we go I think the yeah, choice yeah. has been decided you know, as I've been walking around I see all these place names and <laughs> one there's a whole bunch of stuff in BC obviously named after English place names including Marble Arch is a strip bar right downtown Vancouver but um, so whenever I see the bus go to Marble Arch I, <laughs> I always laugh I just can't help it but then I come up with all these places from old jam and Clash songs yeah. so that's also quite funny fantastic well I think we'll all reminisce about the glory days of uh, the jam <laughs> and the clash while well, we listen to uh, the clash with guns of Brixton on the dope cast on dopefiend.co.uk Sun. His game is 
Dopecast on dopefiend.co.uk. That was the clash there with Guns of Brixton, and we're hitting the Hawaiian still here in the Vapor Lounge with Uncle Weed for the Dopecast 80th episode extravaganza. Uncle Weed is a bit of a, a cannabis hero to those of you who haven't heard of him before. Of course, he's probably I think I just took the biggest hit ever from that. By the way, <laughs> good work. <laughs> that was maximum size for the 80th episode. Right? I saw it. It was nearly the whole pack. Good work. <laughs> Kind of surprised myself, I think. I'm, <laughs> I'm enjoying it, but uh, it's not only for his prowess that Uncle Weed is known. Excellent stuff. He's also. <laughs> I left you a little sip there. Yeah, so yeah. No, <laughs> no, no. Guest, eh? It's all good. <laughs> Mikasa es su casa. Um, he is also known for his podcast, uh, Chugle On with Uncle Weed, which yeah. has been uh, noticeably uh, absent for the past <laughs> several months. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah what, tell so us. so much shit from people about that. Tell us a bit about uh, your, your podcasting exploits, Uncle Weed. Well, first of all, know. for the record, like, it's just because the editing part, the edit, see, the recording part is really fun. Yeah. You go out. Something bad happens. Something goes wrong. You yeah. meet some cool people. You roast out. Yeah. Outro music. Because right? this is basically yeah. what happens on your podcast. You just walk around the, the kind of the streets, recording it on the hoof, yeah. and uh, you know just see what happens. Don't yeah, you? yeah, yeah. It's and, pretty cool. Uh, um, but I've been. But the editing process sucks, right? You sit down. It takes, but you know, it's it's a lot because I have to record a lot of stuff in order to get those nuggets, right? Yeah. You talk to a lot of, uh, you know, you, you end up with the. Anyway, I've been doing a lot of recording, is the short version of the story. And I have right. probably a dozen to 20 episodes sort of waiting and in the production queue. And I'd rather spend my time recording and then edit later on when I dry out creatively or something. Yeah. But I've also been doing um, some other podcast projects. I've been working, I do a little spoken word literature one there. Yeah. The one I do for the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I did a whole kind of war and peace kind of series that I did a bunch of on the hoof. Uh, recordings right. uh, in Vancouver, right across from the New Amsterdam, cool. and right in that area, there's a war memorial. We, we th- see there's only one war memorial here in, in in London, man. There's a lot of war memorials. You can make a whole vacation yeah, right? looking at a yeah. war memorial. It's kind of a weird thing to be so excited about. <laughs> but um, uh, so I have a ton of episodes ready to go. So I, I've I've heard everyone's pleas, and I'm working on it. And uh, you know, and uh, I also had to like fiddle around with some computer stuff, at which. Like, I don't really know how computers work. Eh? It's like my dishwasher. Yeah. Like, I don't know how it works, but I know how to get clean dishes out of it. <laughs> yeah, right? I know, and I, know how to, I know how to put stuff into the computer and then get a podcast to come yeah. out. So there's a lot on, on, on the way. So uh, I've, I've been duly noted. And, Good but, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And in the meantime, if you're really eager, go listen to my poetry one. And, uh, you know, it's like spoken word. It's like, uh, it's, not all, it's not, all, uh, not all that weird, man. You'll enjoy it. 
Excellent. And they can all be found at uncleweed.net, can't yeah, they? Yeah. yeah, all my projects and all my articles I've been doing for magazines. Yeah, you, so, uh, you write for Heads magazine, you've written for High Times in the past. And, yeah, Cannabis uh, Culture. Yeah. I did the cover article of, in fact, the first Cannabis Culture when they first switched from Cannabis Canada to Cannabis Culture. Oh, yeah. And uh, that uh, I have also been in the Journal of International Hemp Association, which is... Uh, they came out right around the same time, and one, Cannabis Culture is a very glossy, it's a very slick magazine, and uh, they did up uh, something on um, uh, my experience with with hemp in Japan. Yeah. Hemp Culture in Japan was the name of the article, and they, it was interesting to see the layout differences, because it was all shiny, city pictures, crazy stuff, yeah. color, color, and then Journal of the International Hemp Association published it a very, as a, almost the same thing, slightly different version of it. As very, you know, it's all footnoted and scholarly, proper research, and yeah. uh, on plain brown paper and neatly uh, trimmed columns and, and all that. But more recently for Heads, I've written, uh, I did a, a piece on Ross Rebliotti, who yeah. was the uh, unwitting cannabis uh, hero in the 1998 Winter Olympics, and he is trying out for the 2010 Olympics in Vancouver. This is the guy who got uh, his medal taken away from him, gold medal taken away because he tested positive for cannabis. Right. But then he had it given back to him. Right. Because he said, look, cannabis isn't performance enhancing. Yep. It wouldn't have affected my my uh, my, my rum. Yep. So uh, that's and, pretty uh, incredible. He's a, the guy's super in fantastic shape, super smart, and was a real treat to talk to. And I podcasted that as well and did an article for Heads. I also did another piece for them about traveling to Japan for the travel issue. The travel issue was you had uh, Japan and Iceland, so two countries that are filled with hot springs. Uh-huh. Two great vacation choices. And if you, you know, a lot of people are interested in Japan, but they get caught up in just the big cities. And where I lived and where I learned everything about hemp in Japan was living way up in the mountains. And people forget that Japan is like filled with forests and mountains and yeah. all the cities are kind of concentrated. I've never spent time in the city. I just go right over up in the hills and there's hot springs and it's fantastic ganja but it's well, not easy to find I was going to ask you yeah mm-hmm. because we've had the uh, emails from listeners in Japan Hong Kong China and they've found it incredibly difficult to find weed would, as as foreigners go to, in those countries go onto the mountains go really? onto the countryside what happens is a lot of the people who um, I shouldn't say a lot but the, the, the people that that I uh, hooked up with by weird happenstance in the back mountains of Nagano. A lot of them had lived in the city and they were uh, cannabis enthusiasts and wanted to get back to the land and they would go up and find these abandoned villages up in the up in the mountains that all the, you know, that had been a, a, at one time 150 years ago, it may have been eight houses, but generations had left to wars, left to the city and just never come back and you get these villages which would be like eight 80 year olds. So the government would move them out of the city and move them down to the town so they could get, because I mean, we're talking about dirt roads, and I've yeah. seen parts of Japan that Japanese people, I tell them they don't even believe it exists. We have no dirt roads in Japan. There's no such thing as that, because it's really back to the land. So people go back up there and squat and uh, and build a whole new, I mean, really uh, modern, primitive lifestyle out there. And uh, I mean, it was a fantastic experience for me. But up in the northern island of Hokkaido, which is like the Alaska of Japan, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, uh, there's wild cannabis, right? And it's like, people say, well, it's like ditch weed in, in Kansas, but it's not because it's it's breeding itself and growing wildly. Yeah. But it's, it's some fantastically potent strains. And my research goes into a lot of this about the early tests. And the, I mean, there's a whole vast religious cultural history of hemp usage in, in Japan. But as far as cannabis, 
This, I mean, there's, and I have pictures of, of these buds up in, in, in Hokkaido, and it's just wild weed growing with big buds. And, uh, I mean, sticky, and I, I was, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's wild and rangy, but uh, some people go up there and, and harvest wild. Um, but Did you smoke any of it? While you oh, were? absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, but yeah. how is it? Oh, crippling. Like, Excellent. yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, like I said, it's a little wild. It's like eating wild venison, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little rough around the edges. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, in the cities, people will buy it from, uh, um, well, I shouldn't say Iranians because I got a letter from Iran where they're really upset. Some professors had, and had uh, said that in an article, I had said Iranians are selling it by the train stations, right? Uh, so, uh, anyway. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Middle Eastern characters. And I'm, no disrespect. I live in a neighborhood in Vancouver with many Persian folk, and yeah. I, um, but anyway, so the alternative to that, because that's not a good way to go. There's a lot of organized crime in Japan. People don't already know. I haven't seen the movies. The Yakuza. Right. They're uh, they don't. These guys don't mess around. And just because you're a foreigner doesn't make you a hot shot. Okay. But if you really want to get in the culture, learn the language, learn about the mountains, learn the customs, fit in, disappear into the backwoods, make it a quest. But it it was totally one of the most thrilling experiences of my life the stuff I saw in Japan the people living back to the land and they grow mountain vegetables and you become hiking way up in mountains with shiitake logs and stuff and uh, uh, you know you run into like a little old lady up there who's farming some kind of like natural wild crafting some rare mountain vegetable to make with her miso soup it was just unbelievable And uh, but I had the advantage I went there first as a mushroom farmer I spent six months working as a farmhand at a very remote part in southwestern Honshu, way up in the mountains, and uh, so I sort of for- I was sort of forced to understand right. that culture to fit in. You know, it was really tough at first, but one day after about six months, I opened my mouth and Japanese started coming out. <laughs> and uh, and it was all, you know, colloquial learned, so yeah. it's sort of a local dialect, and so people don't really understand what to think of me. Uh, you know, if they're from Tokyo, they're like, why do you speak like this rough country Japanese, you know? Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. And then I hitchhiked all around, and so I really got to know the people. Is, is there a history of cannabis use in Japan? Because uh, the history of cannabis as a plant, um, the, the general belief is that it originates somewhere in Central Asia, in the sort of China-Mongolia well, yeah. area. But uh, there's not a lot known about whether it was ever used as a as a you know psychoactive substance. Then a, a lot of hemp usage, but not necessarily uh, as there's, a drug. There's a few references I've come across, and and there's a, uh, Japan religiously sort of like has this this dual thing of Shinto and Buddhism, right? And there's both sort of different creation myths associated with each. And about you know everyone says well Buddhism came from India through China through Korea to Japan, and but Shintoism. This is the way of our gods. It's like a mythology, right? It's, um, in some ways, and it's kind of nature worship. And uh, um, and and in the creation myths of this is that hemp is this, is a sacred hemp and salt, all the sacred plants, the sacred substances of the royal family. Mm. And so throughout history, there's this use of of hemp in, in a really this weird ceremonial way. Um, but then I've also come across some, and but there's no, nothing significant that says. And they were sparking it up afterwards, right? Right. But then I came across some Buddhist references about Buddhist ceremonies where they were um, uh, burning the burning the leaves of the hemp plant and dancing around with much joy. Mm. Something that mm-hmm. fact, was quoted in my my research and it came from. I and it's you know because I read a lot of Japanese literature and I'll find these obscure references to it here and there. So it sort of pieces together a little bit of a story, but it's really a painting. I would love someone to give me a grant 
and send me back over to Japan and I will do learn everything about that I haven't already learned. There's a museum in this area where I was living um, called uh, Miyasa, which translates to beautiful hemp. So if you're really looking to explore that culture, that would be a good place to start. But you can check out my website or um, a colleague that of mine that lives in, a German who lives in Japan and I uh, make a website called Taima, which is cannabis.org. So T-A-I-M-A dot O-R-G. And it's a massive clearinghouse of every bit of information that exists in the world, including the hemp control, the only English translation of the Hemp Control Act, which with General MacArthur-led government, post-occupation government, put into place that makes weed bad, right? Uh, that outlaws all forms of, of cannabis whatsoever. Right. Right? And so the people who all were growing it for ceremonial or for smoking, recreational purposes, because they use all the plants in Japan. Yeah. They really know their plants. You can't tell me they're like, oh, we never thought. No, you know? there's the and whole the Japanese Chinese herbal medicine Right, thing, right. And don't, don't forget the Japanese are folk that like to party. And, yeah. And uh, uh, so I think there's definitely some, some more history to learn there. Um, I also put forth a theory about how hemp got to Japan. That's not the gods created it mm-hmm. when they created the islands from the bosom of the mother and out begat the hemp plant. That, that's, that's cool and stuff, but I just don't really hang with the theory. And, um, and I came across in a, in a Japanese art class at Evergreen College, a professor showed this picture of a cave painting from the Jomon era, like, you know, 150 BC or something, like old timey stuff. And it's got this cave painting with these people with funny hats and some horses and these five and seven leaf tree like plants. Really? And I said, whoa, whoa, let, let's that. And like that's, uh, and then they got a sun around the, the plant. And that's what kind of really led me down to sort of put all the pieces of the research together yeah. and kind of put forth a theory that I, you know, took me a couple of years to find people that could. You know, and I could kind of document it, and, but it's a, it's really a, a, a thing that's been a, a total fun research project. Yeah. And I put everything out there to the people because I want everyone to know. I want I want to know more about that history and culture. It's fascinating. And yeah. um, you, a lot of this research obviously went into your film, uh, The Hemp and Road. Which... Well, The Hemp and Road was a whole different project. Okay. An entirely different um, thing. And after I'd been to Japan and I lived in the South Pacific, well, the Mid-Pacific in Micronesia for quite some time, um, and sometime I'll tell you about Palau, but I don't want to get off track. But Palau <laughs> is the holy island of dank herb, but don't tell anyone because um, I don't want anyone to go there and mess it up. That's where I'm going when I retire. Um, um, I came, uh, I, I saw what was kind of going, the, the U.S. was softening politically and the hemp movement was, the hemp industry mm. was really taken off. And I'd been sort of fiddling around and selling hemp goods and stuff for a few years, but right. I was like, I was in Guam and you know, Jerry Garcia from The Grateful Dead had died, and I was like, oh man, I'm just sucks, and I was like, um, so I, just, I, I decided to head back to um, the, the States and uh, go to Evergreen College, and I wanted to do some big project where I learned everything that was going on in the hemp industry, so I decided to make a film, and it was sort of like a travel documentary, um, and done kind of on on the go, like we, I, I set it all up. It was one, you know, it was an early website, and I, put, and I set out a mailing list to the people, invited people to participate, and so we went filming to Victoria, Canada, Vancouver, and then Washington, and, and into Washington, Seattle, Port Townsend, Olympia, and then Portland and Eugene, visiting with different hemp entrepreneurs along the way, and just 
going in with cameras rolling and talking about their business, where they get their inspiration, where they get their goods, where they're making, why what makes it good. And, mm-hmm. and interspersed that, we put together a great original soundtrack of music. And there's a lot of, uh, it was shot all multimedia style too and edited digitally. It was the first digitally edited film I'd ever seen was the one that we made. But it was uh, it was a it was a big project making it because a, a nine gig hard drive cost us like six thousand dollars or something like that. <laughs> we could get ten minutes at a time onto it. And uh, but my uh, my buddy Brad, the producer, is working on digitizing that for me. So I'm hoping yeah. because it's almost ten years old. And now it's it's interesting because the end part of it is the Commercial Industrial Hemp Symposium in Vancouver. This was 1996, and the hemp industry was taking off. Right, everything was just like. This is awesome. The times they are the change, <laughs> and uh, right, and uh, and I set up an agreement with the folks who put on this symposium at Canada Place, the thing with the sales there in Vancouver. You've seen the pictures um, that we could come in and film. So we were the only camera in there in this, and it was an international assortment of just brilliant delegates from all around the world, guys from every country. Just I mean, name it, and they're all these hemp researchers, and it was everyone was just laying down the knowledge. And then the Canadian government official came out and announced there that they were going to allow, you know, set up the apparatus for licensing industrial and commercial hemp, and, and just seemed like, and and so I thought it would be a the portent of things to come film, but now it's turned into kind of like a historical document of where are they now? Yeah, you know, almost every business in there is out of business, unfortunately. There's a few that have gone on to great success, though. <clears throat> There's a a few dudes have died there in the film, and you know, it's just like. But we caught some critical moments of history, you know, when the first Washington medical marijuana bill, when we were trying to get that passed, that industrial hemp symposium, a lot of really neat businesses. So uh, it's kind of cool to see, uh, um, to compare it then and now, and a lot, there's been sort of a little bit of a renewed interest in it, so I'm going to try and get it back out to the peeps. Do you think uh, you'll ever sort of revisit it, maybe do Hemp and Road 2? Totally, that was the plan. We're going to do Hemp and Road California right after that. We frankly got so much interest, right? Yeah. Like we thought we'd go Vancouver and right down the coast, but I had great response. People really liked the idea, and we had no shortage of people to talk to. So we're like, all right, part two. But, um, you know, for whatever reason, I always plan to do it. I'd love to go do a Hemp and Road Japan, you know, yeah. Hemp and Road Europe. Hand it up. Yeah. So, uh... And, it was, and again, it was a great fun time. Uh, we shot on all sorts of different camera. We just we didn't have any rules, you know, because no one was watching over our shoulder. Yeah. And we made it and distributed it. I went on a little tour and did screenings with it. Um, I did a bunch of fundraisers in Portland for the Octa Act, their uh, Oregon Cannabis Tax Act. Did uh, some screens, you know, in Salt Lake City, you know. So I had a lot of fun with it. And I got, I mean, people all around the world have seen it. Now people have ordered them from Thailand and. China and and uh, unfortunately it's only in that one kind of that N- NTSC video. Oh right. But yeah. every once in a while I find like I'll be going through an old box of stuff and I find I still have like a, a dozen or two video copies of it, but they're a little old and crusty. But somehow a couple thousand of them out there are floating around the world, so I hope uh, people have enjoyed them. Cool. Well, I look forward to it appearing, uh, you know, on DVD or something <laughs> at some time soon. Maybe in time for next year's 420 party. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I move pretty slow. I got a bunch of podcasts to make, you know. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's fair enough. I think it's about time we hit our final strain of the day, don't you? A bit of New York City yeah. Diesel always slips down a treat. And this is a pretty powerful uh, sativa, New York City diesel. You've come across it before, haven't you? <laughs> You've seen this one before. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, uh, you know, I was telling you, I've been on this crazy travel uh, back and forth. And usually my style of travel is slow and taking it easy. 
taking a nap, finding a pub, but I've been doing some business travel and uh, last week I was in New York and uh, I got to smoke the New York City diesel in New York City, so I just, you know, enjoyed the little uh, serendipity there. Cool. But what made it really fun is uh, being on a rooftop in a building in West Greenwich Village, which is like quite a little historical corner of Manhattan, which is just full bore effect all the time, eh? And, you know, a little sensory overload for my uh, for my <laughs> mode, you know? We're yeah. staying right by Times Square again at some yeah. hotel that's just like... You know, you're kind of out of my element, and, and so it was nice to find a little bit of quiet, and he had a great little terrace and climbed up to the roof and uh, roasted down about three big dubs of New York City diesel with a trip down to get a falafel in between. Excellent. And I just kept on rotating around, seeing all these great sites. Well, that's where the World Trade Centers used to be. That's where they invented Oreo cookies. <laughs> that's where Thomas Edison invented the vacuum tube. That's where Lou Reed buys coffee. Oh, you know? sweet. That's where Andy Leibovitz lives. And, uh, you know, so it was kind of neat being in that center of... Uh, all that action. And again, I got the same kind of crazy trip here in London with my walkabout last night. Yeah. Walking over the bridges and running all the crazy sites. And, uh, you know, so that, that part of it's been, uh, been, it's been pretty fun. But the smoking, the smoking on the rooftop in New York City was definitely a, a highlight along from meeting that, that noble young medical marijuana care provider in, in, uh, in San Jose. It was also <laughs> another fortuitous moment on the trip. Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, out of all the places that you've visited as a stoner traveller, where do you think is the best uh, destination for stoners to go to? I mean, well, the obvious choice is Amsterdam, but what do you think? Um, I have kind of eclectic taste, right? Like, I like really getting off the beaten track. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I hinted about this earlier and said not to tell anyone, but the islands of Palau in, in, in Micronesia. Okay, yeah. Um, this was, it was just absurd, right? It was fantastic. And, uh... When I was living in, in Guam, I get some. I met some local growers, as is my nature, and uh, I get you know they have some decent weed. Really hard to grow there. It takes tremendous dedication and effort, and you pay for it. And sometimes I get smuggled from the Philippines, and that's like maintenance, you know, decent, but not fantastic. And sometimes I get the Palawan weed, and it was just, you know, I'm a guy who like likes to smoke some weed and can get stuff done. Man, this stuff would just wreck me. Really? Right? It'd be like. I think I'm gonna go work. I'm gonna go lay on the beach. Look, I mean, it's just, I mean, fantastic, like, but I mean, heavy duty, right? Yeah. And I was like, okay, so I totally got to figure out where this, where this Palau place is. And there's a ton of islands in Micronesia, right? And then within each country, like Palau is like 650 little islands, right? Right. And so each of them has a different ecosystem, and not all of them are inhabited, of course. And and you got to figure out which island is which. So I I found the island, and. Uh, it's the holy land of ganja. I've been there. Wow, really? And it is real. Is it easy to get there? Do you have to take like loads of little boats and that kind of stuff? It's extremely difficult, but that makes it better. Yeah. I got uh, I got down there on a crazy assortment of, of uh, ferries, and uh, and then uh, like I took a ferry to an island that was close to the one I wanted to get to, and I realized the ferry didn't leave that island for like ten days, right? Uh. And it, you know, and that island d- didn't seem to have weeds. that vibe, right? Because yeah. it's a different vibe on each, each little island. And but I found some. There was a lot of World War II battles there, which is really strange because there's all these rusting tanks and planes and all this in these little right. islands. And it's like, why were people dying here again? Yeah. Why was that? And uh, uh, so, but I found. So I found some. Uh, there's a little 
landing strip, an airstrip there, and a little tourist, uh, well, I wouldn't call them tourists, but a little kind of island hopper plane taking kind of, we're bringing war tourists around there to also bring essential supplies to islands, but these little planes are going to hop the island. And so I was like, hey, are you guys going to that island? Oh, yeah, we're going to Peleliu to see the wreckage and all this. And I'm like, you know, I didn't uh, even, you yeah. know, I was like, I'm on this plane. <laughs> cool. Well, that's, uh, and then I got to Peleliu, though, and that's when it got really good. Yeah. And uh, it's only sold, the weird thing about it is only you buy it as joints. Oh, right. It comes pre-rolled. I mean, the people there think, well, if it we're selling it, it should just be in the same packaging as a cigarette. It's like a, just a different kind of cigarette. Oh, that's unusual. So the people there chew, chew betel nut. It's kind of like the oh, right. drug of choice. And so I chewed betel nut all around the different islands. I also yeah. visited Yap. And I uh, and Yap's not as wide open with weed, man, but it's like stepping back into like... Meanwhile, in 1890, like <laughs> men in loincloths, bare-breasted women, which is nowhere near as cool as it sounds. Yeah. And everyone from the customs officials on down, everyone you meet on islands got the big red dribble down their shirt and beat on that. <laughs> wow, so, really? Different islands have different vices, man. But yeah. I found, uh, I found my island. That but sounds don't cool. Don't go screw it up. Yeah. All right. Don't. Man. We'll wait for you to uh, industrialize it, and form some sort of Uncle Weed resort. <laughs> No, Uncle no, Weed like, World. You overestimate my ambition. <laughs> you never know. I'm, as, I'm as, the guy who can't get a podcast out more than once every three months. <laughs> yeah, but if you've got enough of that ganja, you might it might sort of spark some crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was fantastic, and I heard that I, I, you know, I had the insider tip that it was sold as joints, and um, so I took a bunch of packs of papers, uh, and so I didn't even really pay for the, my dudes most of the time too. But right away, I got like a, a box, like a cigarette box full of just crippling joints for 10 bucks. Cool. So I had one behind each ear and... and what, I mean, what did the weed look like? Was it like uh, just your... Dark green heavy. Yeah? yeah. Like sort of Thai weed kind of uh, approach. So cool. it was, it was uh, you know, again, it was kind of rough around the edges. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, when you consider you're on a little tropical island, yeah. but it's not, not touristy at all. Right? Yeah. I mean, the only tourists are these uh, the occasional war kind of historian or whatever and it's very hard to get to and not all the islands are like that because like Guam you know is under it's a US territory and a lot of the other islands are under the control of some other country the French or whatever so it's a rare it's a rare treat and uh, but it's extremely expensive extremely difficult to get there <laughs> start saving now kids <laughs> get another paper route yeah man maybe one maybe one year I'll join you for a, for a Sojourn at uh, Uncle Weed's Palau. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> just it's the third palapa straw hide on the <laughs> good <man>. stuff. <laughs> it's the one with the two hammocks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's just about all we've got time for on this uh, oh. extra special yeah. 80th episode. I'll, I'll close it with by closing out the bag. Beautiful stuff. It's the old uh, New York City diesel, which packs a punch. Oh, oh. <laughs> it's got Uncle Weed by the short and curlies. <laughs> so I think we're going to have to abandon this recording and concentrate far more on vaporizing. <laughs> we'll be back to normal service next week. Uh, don't forget on Thursday, Lefty's here with Lefty's Lounge. Uh, there's no Psychonautica this week because it's not a freak out Friday, but if you didn't hear the last one, then go back and download it now. Zandor, of course, is always here on Saturday with the Grow Report, and I'll be back again on Monday with another dope cast. So until then, stay safe, stay subscribed, and above all, stay stoned. The dope cast from dopefeed.co.uk.